Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Stripped by Sia, your podcast for strippers, sex workers, and all the fancy naked people in between. I am your host, Steph Sia, aka Kimchi on stage. I am currently on stage at the time of recording and probably will be back on stage by the time this is released. Um, you can find me at Shaker Show Lounge in Surrey if you find yourself here in the West Coast in, Van- in the Vancouver Lower Mainland area. Um, come chat with me about the show. I love when people do that. It's like super fun. I'm like, yay, come get a dance for me. But you really just want to chat with me, which has happened before. And I love that. Um, I've also dabbled in other forms of sex work as well. If you've been listening to the show, you would know that I was a former sugar baby a long time ago. Did that for a few years. Uh, I'm an OnlyFans model and I have some other things that I can't announce yet, but hopefully soon. Yeah, you'll just have to keep um, staying tuned because I have some big news coming up. I just need to wait to get the okay to release that information. But yeah, I've been doing the show the past three years. Um, We're now in season five, which is super exciting. So thank you to everyone listening. Um, Thank you to Skyhawk After Dark. It's an amazing uh, adult industry network that houses a lot of different adult industry-related podcasts. Shout out to them. Also, shout out to my Patreon subscribers. Hello to Snoo Snoo out in Germany. We have Jay Sunstern here in BC in Canada. Same with the Ripstar Car and Justin Erickson all the way from, um, I mean, not all the way, but just down in the States in Oregon. Thank you so much. Um, Y'all are in the top tier of my Patreon. So you get a little shout out here on air, which is super exciting. There are different tiers. You can kind of take a look if you're interested in supporting the show. Uh, I've been working on my website for a little bit and that's where your money's going. And one day to like upgrade my equipment. So thank you to everyone for your support. It's been an amazing three years and really rad for uh, seasons that I've been doing every single week for the past three years. So thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm really excited to bring this week's guest onto the show today. We were actually meant to be recording an episode two years ago, but what happened was the pandemic happened. Things shut down. It was a different kind of um, episode that we had planned. She is an amazing pole dancer, competitor, exotic dancer, amazing human being overall. And I'm so excited to talk about her new journey and the shift that we are doing with the episode today. So without further ado, I'd love to introduce the audience to Miss Jenna Alyssa. Hello and welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much. I'm so happy when you're like, we're overdue for an episode. We should do it now. I'm like, there's really no time like the present. So thank you so much for having me on. (laughs) I mean, there's really not a lot of time because you are 39 weeks at the time of recording and about to pop. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, hopefully, honestly, sooner than later. Um, But yeah, hopefully I don't have like two more weeks stretching ahead of me, but it's really hard to say. But yeah, yeah. having stuff like this to do is actually beneficial. So I was happy to make it happen. Yay. And as long as you don't go into labor over the next hour, um, (laughs) that would be great. (laughs) That would be interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what what we've learned from – Usually it's not as dramatic or fast as it happens in the movies. Mm-hmm. Like labor could start and I would barely know. And I definitely would still have time to finish the podcast before it was even really like stopping me in my tracks. So should be okay. Totally. <laughs> well, Jenna, it's so great to have you on the show today. Um, I'd love to flip it back to you in terms of like uh, defining who you are. Um, I mean, I know you a little bit because, okay, well, backstory, backstory, back it up. So I know you from the pole dancing world. We're both, um, I mean, I'm not competing anymore, but who knows if that will change. But um, I knew you from the pole dancing, like, competing world um, and you were doing a lot of competitions and I specifically remember you I think it was the 2017 CPFA in Toronto I think you went to that 20, one, right? 2018 oh, 2018 yeah 2018 yeah yeah that's correct and I just remember meeting you really briefly because I was like oh my god it's like so so exciting there's so many people here I can't wait to watch the performances and I just watched you go on and I was like oh 
holy fucking shit. Like, <laughs> this girl has got some Aww. power. And, like, I remember seeing the other competitions as well. And I just remember seeing her name. And I'm like, I really fucking hope I'm not in the same category as her because she couldn't keep my ass. <laughs> But yeah, I've I've always enjoyed your performances and stuff and like you bring so much power and creativity in all of your shows and like just truly, truly a joy to watch and just amazing. True professional. Yeah, so that's how I know you Thank you so much. <laughs> That's re- very sweet of you to say. Yeah, it's so funny because when we when we watch back our own performances from that many years ago, we're like kind of cringing at ourselves a lot of the time. Um <laughs> Like, I'm sure if I watched that performance from 2018, I'd be like, oh, my God. But thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> I had, like, an intense, like, intense in terms of, like, a high volume of competitions, but in a short-lived period of time because, again, the pandemic kind yes. of not cut it short because, I mean, it will come back, the, the competitions. But when you say you're not competing, there haven't been any competitions in Canada since the pandemic wow. started until Pole Theater this year. So yeah. we haven't, unless we we're going to travel, we haven't really had the chance. So, exactly, yeah. And like, I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not counting virtual competitions. I'm not really, I'm personally not into that. Like, I still won't. Like, the crowd's not there. The energy's not there. You could re- record your best run through, and I just feel like that's not fair personally. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a different world that we live in now. But yeah. they should be coming back, I think, pretty soon. So. But yeah, sorry, back to mm-hmm. you. That's like a complete side tangent sidebar. But yeah, going back to you, how would you define yourself? I know some people hate that question. Some people love it. But again, I really think it's important to give all of my guests the opportunity to define who they are in their own words and terms. So feel free to go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a hard question because it's like the definition shifts over time. And the pandemic And then also pregnancy has challenged like my definition of myself, how much of that is defined externally, if that makes sense, versus defined like more internally, what stays constant. But I definitely would say I'm a pole dancer. I was actually, yeah, so I'm a a pole dancer, pole competitor. I still clasp that as part of like my identity, even though I haven't had the chance to compete for a little bit, pole instructor and stripper, exotic dancer. And again, although I'm not doing that right this second, I still see it as like part of my identity, I guess, and how I would define myself. Um, I now I'm a mom to be, which is part of how I would define myself. And that's, that's the biggest shift, I guess. Um, I'm like, I don't want to say a metalhead. I guess a metalhead. I love you are. like <laughs> you are. old school classic heavy metal and classic rock. And I have a pretty actually narrow music taste. So um, <laughs> that like definitely like shapes kind of my extracurricular activities or activities outside of pole as well. Um, but yeah, I guess I'm a dog mom. I'm like kind of sad that they're not going to be my only babies anymore. I'm like savoring these last like couple weeks with just them and a wife. So yes. Yeah. But like I said, that's a lot of that's external, right? Like those are like the Mm -hmm. roles you fill and they're not necessarily constant. Like some things are more Mm -hmm. constant than others. It's kind of a philosophical conversation to say like, how much of your identity is like stable to, to you versus like the activities you do. So I don't know. No, that's like such an interesting point because, <clears throat> excuse me, um, like during the pandemic, I had a huge realization that like I was attaching myself, my identities to all these external things like you mentioned, like because so many things had shut down during that time, like clubs were closed, um, studios were closed. I don't have a pole at home, so I couldn't even do that. Like – and just like going to work and like those are things I define myself by. And then I was just like, well, who am I at my at my like, my core? And I really like questioned mm-hmm. that because I just attached myself to basically being a workaholic. Um, yeah. And I was like, no, I'm I'm more than that. Like I have interests. And I have like other things that I have going for me that's not just attached to work stuff. So, and we we will be talking a lot on this episode, um, like about. Um, 
something you quote on your podcast. Oh, I forgot to mention, Jenna's also um, the host of a, a fantastic new podcast called the Dancer Mama Podcast. <laughs> and a term that you had used in one of your episodes, I think it was like episode two, was um, you were speaking about like identity shifts as opposed to like identity loss. Um, <clears throat> I really would love to hear um, – what you meant by that. Like, of course, I listened to your episodes, I know, but like in terms yeah. of like what you have been experiencing, but I'm already kind of jumping past everything. I feel <laughs> like we should start chronologically um, <laughs> and start in the beginning in terms of like how you got started in sex work, how you started stripping, and then we can talk about pregnancy and then going from there. Yeah. So I actually was a pole dancer um, first before I became a sex worker. So in 2016, I think. Yeah. Yes. 2016, uh, took my first ever pole class at a local studio here. And uh, yeah, I talked a little bit about this on my own podcast, but like, when you try pole for the first time, I feel like it's either like, oh, that was a fun bucket list thing. Or you're like, oh, that was kind of cool. Or you're like hooked. Like yeah. love at first spin. And I was <laughs> right from the beginning, I was like good at the dancing part. Like the dancing mm -hmm. part came naturally to me. But anything to do with hanging on to the pole was such a struggle. I have, I'm plagued with like the most sweaty, slippery hands. Like I'm one of those. <laughs> I, I would never say that I mean, pull grip is a crutch, but it's like a necessary crutch for me. And I would never like shame anyone for using it because I literally couldn't pull without it. But uh, <laughs> even though it was, I was not like readily, it wasn't readily apparent that I was going to be good at it. I was so hooked. And um, so I was taking lessons, eventually bought my pull at home, which kind of, that usually like propels a person's progress once they can start training at home, training more frequently. Um yeah, I was in school at the time um, doing a sociology degree. And as, the longer that I was pole dancing, um, the less interested in school I became. And there's other factors there too. But I ended up dropping out of my degree with only seven courses left um, at the beginning of 2017, like going to that next semester. I was like, this just isn't working for me one or two more semesters. I don't care how long it is. It's like my time is more valuable than doing something making me miserable. Yeah. So I, and I was a waitress at the time. Like my, most of my work history is like being a waitress at like Irish pubs and stuff. So I was a waitress, but like money was kind of tight. I was, um, yeah, in school, dropped out of school. I was also like struggling with alcoholism at the time. And all these things kind of came to a crux. I dropped out, stopped drinking initially for a month, but now it's been five years. But Maybe. anyway, and then I decided I'm not making enough money. Um, I what And I wanted to be performing. And I'm like, how can I make money performing? The right. strip club. So yeah. I actually went to lo a local club here in Calgary that has go-go dancers as well as like main stage girls. And I started as a go-go dancer. I just, that's just seemed more appealing to me at the time. And I, I loved it. It was super fun. It really like furthered my, like not my pole training. I always say that people who perform pole for a living, you're always performing and never training. So you get really yes. good at the things that like you're good at and then you're not like <laughs> training new things, but that's like a whole other story. <laughs> um, so, <yeah. laughs> so I was a go-go so dancer um, and was just like being in the club environment and loved it. It was a similar lifestyle to waitressing and the fact that like working at night, I've like always worked at night and I love that. I love having my days to myself. I'm not bothered about giving up a nightlife because you're working in the nightlife anyway. So, um, and watching the main stage girls, admiring them, getting used to the club environment. And then that fall. So worked for about like maybe eight months as a go-go dancer and then had the opportunity to start working on stage and like on the floor. So doing stage shows here and there and, um, like selling dances. Right. Wow. 
That's yeah. interesting because like um, – I also had a similar journey as well. Like I was one of those people that started off with pole. And I know that either I've talked about this too. There's a whole like debate between like pole hobbyists now and strippers and stuff. And, and there's some people that like shame some of us um, with our beginnings. And I just feel like, have you ever had anyone shame you for that before? Because you weren't a stripper first before pole. Yeah, that's really interesting, too, because I'm definitely very aware of that conversation that's like happening in the, like the the sex worker community and the pole community. And mm-hmm. for, for a long time, it, it was like, well, I don't know, but I guess it was like pole athletes or pole hobbyists, like maybe shaming sex workers or strippers. But then for yeah. you to ask me, have I been shamed for having the alternate origins? Because yeah, even sometimes like the messaging I see on Instagram, I, see, I feel like it takes it a little bit far and it, it actually can yeah. like deepen this perceived divide. Um, mm-hmm. No, I've never had anyone like say anything directly to me about it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like nothing I don't know. even to it's, me too, like nothing to me personally, but like I, I see these conversations, I observe that these conversations are happening and I just feel like it is dangerous. Yeah, if we like <laughs> I'm having a hard time like organizing my thoughts around this, but <laughs> definitely I think it was like a positive like development in the sense of acknowledging the origins of pole and the origins mm-hmm. of like – exotic dancing and dancing in heels and destigmatizing sex work. Like that's really important ongoing conversation. And I love that the pole community is becoming a lot more open to that. Like the studio I work at in Calgary that I teach at um, has three, at, at least, yeah, three strippers as instructors and lots of like exotic dancers and sex workers that come and take classes there. And it's like never a secret, you know, I mean, unless someone wants it to be a secret for themselves, but like they're, I think the destigmatizing sex work um, is a really important part of that conversation. But mm-hmm. I think we have to acknowledge the pole world as well for what they're doing, even internationally and how much further they take like the athletic and artistic side of the sport itself. Um, and that like, it's kind of like, it's a circular thing, like in and out of the club, like in the pole community. And I don't think either side should be like shamed or elevated or like lowered in status. Uh, And I don't think that like the achievements of like the pole fitness and pole competition scene should be taken away from either personally. But yeah, like I feel like both of these worlds can exist and we are products of that. Um, And I think it's just really important to not contribute to this divide. Um, I know this question is like completely out of left field, but I was curious to hear like what your thoughts are on that. So thank you for sharing Um, because like there's just no one, like I never meet anyone that has the same, shares like the same kind of beginnings as we did. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's interesting. Yeah. But um, shifting back to the conversation, um, Tell us about um, your journey with pregnancy because I think it was before um, I had heard on your show that you weren't even planning to have children initially. Yeah, I wasn't. So, I mean, I'll uh, sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack and talk a little bit more about my stripper journey. I kind of oh, like yeah. so. <laughs> I was working at only clubs in Calgary. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was only working at clubs in Calgary, like as a house dancer, um, mm-hmm. for like a year and a half. And it was awesome. I love being a dancer, uh, was single for a really long time. And I kind of thought, I think I had some like internalized horophobia or just some like li- like latent, like self-worth issues that were kind of like stirred up with by that where I thought I really love my life. I'm like training pole in the studio and performing every night. I'm making good money. Finally, I feel happy, but I don't think that the kind of person I would want to be with would be interested in someone like me. And I really don't like saying that even now because it, I don't want 
it to, to think that I was externalizing that onto strippers in general, because I knew there was lots of dancers who have like successful relationships that look all different ways. It was really about me. Um, and just like previous experiences with, with men, I guess, like just romantically, like not even in the club or anything. Um, but I did, I did meet someone and we were dating and he, he, he knew right off the bat that I was a stripper and he never had an issue with it and never intended to ask me to stop. I think that's a very important component of dating a sex worker. Don't ask her to stop doing what she's doing. Never do that, please. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like, yeah, you have to be secure enough in yourself. And like, if she's already doing sex work, when you meet her, you have, you have no right to ask her to change jobs for you. So. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I can't agree more with that. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's where like some relationships can turn really toxic. Like some sad stories that I've heard, like with girls dealing with like their relationships and it makes me sad um, yeah all yeah. too common honestly mm-hmm. but yeah anyway um I started working with independent artists agency and started traveling so I was doing mostly the Alberta like circuit they call it I guess like Red Deer Grand Prairie like Lethbridge like all those clubs and th- I loved it even more <laughs> like the traveling <laughs> dancer lifestyle it's like kind of it can be it has its own challenges but there was so much about it that I loved I loved like mixing up where I was working and like the chance to be on the road and have like alone time even though it's it's sad to leave your boyfriend and your dogs but I really enjoyed those weeks on the road as well and I feel like it did make me a better dancer I was starts upgrading my costumes and you're just seeing like fresh performers all the time and you're feeling inspired and different audiences, trying out different music. So really loved that aspect of my like dancing career, like from 2019 on. Um, And yeah, I mean, this is kind of a winding story, right? Because then it gets into the pandemic, but we, we all know how that was like, clubs were (laughs) shut down, clubs were open. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, no, like with the traveling aspect, and I haven't done a lot of that. Like I just, uh, like with my current work situations, work situations, like it's more beneficial for me to stay at home um, within Vancouver, which works out for me personally. Um, But I've heard so many great stories about traveling around because there's like we have our own circuit here in BC. And then a lot of the girls I know have also danced in Alberta um, and Brandon, Manitoba as well. And also just like going out to Ontario and like, it just sounds like so much fun. And as a person that just loves to travel, like in my own personal life, like, and being able to combine those two just sounds like a dream. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't want to like glamorize it more than it is because it's not, you're not really traveling to the most like glamorous locations, like in the Alberta (laughs) circuit, but there's, there's still something about that lifestyle that I really enjoyed, but yeah. Totally. Mm -hmm. So bring us But I feel like I was derailing your, yeah, your conversation. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's okay. I'm really rusty. Like I haven't podcasted all summer, so I feel like I'm super, (laughs) super rusty. But I mean, like past the pandemic, um, let's fast forward to um, your pregnancy journey and just like – Again, Mm -hmm. not wanting kids originally. And then where did that shift for you? Because you're obviously pregnant now. So, (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah. So when I met my now husband, who I had just mentioned that I I met him at a time when I thought I had kind of like almost ruined myself for like a quality relationship, I guess, which is kind (laughs) of sad to think that I thought that way. But um right away when we met like on our like second date he he didn't like ask me if I wanted to have kids but like I can't remember if we just saw like someone walking by with a baby or something and he said um oh babies are weird and I was so excited because I did not 
want to have kids. I didn't, I felt like I didn't like kids. I felt like they were annoying to be around. Um, I know that sounds so terrible, but, um, and I just, I never saw a future for myself where I would like give up my autonomy and just make that, that lifestyle. I just didn't want kids. So Mm -hmm. when he said, oh, babies are weird. I'm like, oh my God, major score. He doesn't want to have kids. And I'm like, oh, you don't want to have kids. And he was like, I do. I just wish they came out like five years old, like at the fun age. (laughs) I was like, okay. (laughs) And so we literally like weren't even dating. We had hung out like three times. So I didn't really make anything of it. But over the next few months, he would like drop it here and there. Like it just was a very apparent that like he wanted to have kids. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would usually just respond with like silence kind of. Um, until one, one day he said very explicitly, like, you know, I, I'm going to be a father. Like, it's very important to me. It's like a non-negotiable pretty much part of like my future. And I said, I don't want to have kids. And he was like, I know. Cause he could tell like from how our conversations had gone that I did not feel the same way. Yeah. So most relationship like resources (laughs) that you would look up would say that's kind of like a deal breaker, right? Like when both people know what they want when it comes to kids and it doesn't match, you're kind of only setting yourself up for like eventual like heartbreak or like a compromise that is not going to feel very good either way. Mm -hmm. Right. (sighs) Yeah. So that, that was really hard because when he, when we had that conversation, we were on like holiday, like our first trip we took together to Toronto. And when I came back, I said to my sister, I'm like, Oh my God, like, what am I going to do? And my sister also really did not like kids. She still doesn't like kids. And she's like, well, you, you know what you have to do. Like, what are you going to, there's only one thing you can do, but I don't know. And I feel like a bit almost hesitant to tell this story because I, I mean, I'm like, anticipating how people will hear it and people can hear it however they want, but I didn't Mm. want to just break up with him. Um, Mm. I saw like a lot of other aspects to him and like to our relationship that I wanted to like keep exploring, I guess. Yeah. And I guess he did too, because you could say the onus was just as much on him to potentially like end it. If he felt like, okay, this is not going to be something we can like, meet on but he also did not break up with me (laughs) um yeah so we continued dating and we would kind of like talk about it and I I would ask him to really like break it down like why he wanted to be a father Mm -hmm. and his reasons were very like pure and compelling I guess um Mm -hmm. and I mean no one should be asked to defend their decision like whether they want kids or don't want kids, but I was just curious, right? Like, yeah, um, is it something you feel like you should do, right? Because that's a lot of people kind of feel that pressure that it's just something that they should be doing. But that was not his case. He was a lot more um, intentional about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess just in the course of us continuing to stay together for the next few years, we both he was, I guess, taking the risk that I was like opening my heart and mind enough to the idea of having kids. I don't know. It's a weird one. And then I, (laughs) I don't know. I could, I could get myself really excited about having kids. Like when I would think about certain things or like see other people's experience with kids, like on social media or whatever, we don't, I don't know that many people with young children in my life personally right now, but Mm-hmm. And listening to parenting podcasts, I listen, even though I still had doubts, I was started listening to like fertility podcasts and all these like parenting podcasts. And I was like, that sounds so nice. Wow. And I could like really get myself on board <laughs> with the idea. But then I would look at my current life and the thought of how much it would change and what I would give up. And I would like clam up and be like, oh my God, why? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So that's a huge thing because it's a big decision, first of all, but also like you had to realize and reflect on how much this is going to change your life because like, well, when you're you're a stripper, like you won't be able to do that temporarily for a certain amount of time. Same with like instructing and dancing and competing as well. So 
it was, I'm sure, a really, really hard decision to make. Yeah, and um, yeah, it just feels like a lot more of a sacrifice for the mom in the short, mm-hmm. like in the initial, like in actually bearing, birthing, and then the early raising of the children, like no matter how involved the dad is, it's just not a sacrifice that he physically can make in that like context. So, um, and he knew that, you know, and he would say, sometimes he'd be like, if I could do it, I would do it, you know? And I was like, okay. (laughs) I mean, it's like (laughs) something when you offer something that's impossible, but it still was nice, the sentiment behind it. But, um, totally. Anyway, yeah, and then as time was wearing on, like, we both, I was, like, approaching turning 30, and I was kind of thinking, like, this would probably be the right time to try mm-hmm. for, to have a, a baby, and I also had it in my mind from listening to, like, a lot of fertility podcasts that it could take some time, because I had heard all these women's stories, and their stories are very different. Like this is partially why I started my podcast because a lot of the motherhood stories, it's like a woman who's always, always wanted to be a mom. And it's like kind of one of her most treasured dreams. And that's really beautiful. And then sometimes a story would be like, that's what she wants most. And it is difficult, right? Like fertility struggles or like, you know, loss or how, whatever twist that road takes for them. And I'd listen to a lot of those stories just from like listening to podcasts um, mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, it could take some time. And so when I was eventually took the initiative to say to him, like, maybe we should like try this month. Um, we were super blessed that that was the only month required. <laughs> so it did not take the time I thought it might take, which again, we're super blessed, but that like cut <laughs> my dancing time even shorter than I thought. Cause I thought, Oh, we've got a couple more months. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're kind of like thrown into, fi- into the fire that way, because like, I'm sure um, you're trying to anticipate like this will take a little bit longer. You'll have more time to save money and stuff too, because like, that's a huge thing is like that whole huge income loss that comes with being pregnant. Um, because especially as dancers, uh, we have to be there physically, and also we're outputting a lot of energy with our shows on stage. Like, I don't know if you want to touch on that a little, a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. So, whether it's because of a lockdown, like during the pandemic, or an injury, or being pregnant, whatever reason, a dancer has to step away from working at the club. That's not like a choice. It's kind of like a constrained choice. It's a loss of income and a loss of identity. For me, that's Mm -hmm. how I see it. And that's how I've experienced it. Because, and the income loss alone was a, is like emotionally triggering for me after two years of rolling lockdowns and like losing out on months and months of like my full-time work and not really replacing it with anything that could, that was comparable, both comparable in terms of income and the fulfillment Um, so, and I kind of like, when we would talk about, oh, we're, we're going to start a family eventually, I would say like, oh, should I try to transition into a different career? Like a career or a job? I don't even know. I'm like one of those dancers who doesn't really want a different job at this time. And when I try to think like, oh, what else could I do? I kind of come up short and get frustrated even during the same with the lockdowns, right? I'm like, I don't really want to be doing anything else. Um, yeah. But I would be like, oh, should I transition into like an, an office job receptionist, anything that I could do while I was pregnant, like up until like the eighth month or something and then get maternity leave. But that didn't happen. So I didn't have a maternity leave. I mean, I've been on like a maternity leave, like just unpaid. I just haven't been working for a long time. Um So, yeah, and with a loss of income can come a loss of, um, like, self-worth for some people, like, in this society that values money and, like, productivity so highly when you're not 
providing for yourself and like contributing in that way, it can take a, a hit on your self-worth as well. Mm-hmm. So totally. It's a lot. Yeah. I mean, like, and not just with that, yeah. but like <clears throat> going through like body dysmorphia, the bloatedness you had, like when you were dancing still like while on stage, like, and just like not feeling like quote unquote sexy, like that can be really hard too. Like, did you want to touch on that part? Uh, that touch on that part? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I listened to your episode with Sasha Bell, um, which talked about like motherhood a little bit as well, and I loved listening to her story. That was an amazing episode. But even now, even though I'm like about to have my baby, I still heard her story and compared myself to her. She danced till she was 18 weeks. And I'm like, why couldn't I have danced longer? I I stopped dancing at like six or seven weeks. And I, I had intended, I'm like, from how I understood pregnancy to be before becoming pregnant, I'm like, oh, you don't start showing till like three or three or four months in, like I'll be able to keep dancing and keep making money a yeah. little bit longer. Um, and like some other dancers who are moms who I'd like worked with regularly in Alberta would share their perspective. And they're like, I danced till I was almost five months, like till I was really showing, like, wow. I didn't care. Like you'll be able to dance that long too. And like, I couldn't, or maybe I could have. Mm-hmm. And I keep thinking like, could I have pushed through and done a few more weeks? It's completely irrelevant now. Like why torture yourself by thinking back like that? But totally. Um, I, I, I did get morning sickness, so I wasn't feeling well. Um, I was super, super bloated. And looking back, I'm like, probably no one else really would have noticed. Like customers probably wouldn't have like made anything of that. But for me, I did not see myself the same and I was not happy. And more than anything, I just instantly did not feel sexy and was not able to like sexualize myself in the way that like that type of work required. Right. So that's kind of what played into me deciding to leave the club like so, so much earlier than I thought. Um, I just mm-hmm. thought, I don't think this is going to be enjoyable. And right. I don't know, it felt like the right choice at the time. And like, Someone I was talking to for my podcast, she, she was talking about pole specifically, but she said something that I just love that like, it's better to miss something than to resent it. And mm-hmm. so I've been really thinking about that. Like, is it better to stop doing something and miss it than, or push through and start resenting it and make yourself miserable doing it? So I think maybe that could apply. Totally. Yeah. Totally. You don't want to yeah. get into that that side of resenting something because you might not even come back after that. And then you're going to have a – it sours your experience, <clears throat> you know, mm-hmm. and can kind yeah. of potentially ruin that as well. Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, looking back, I can't really say if I made, like, the right choice or not because it's kind of not relevant. But I, I, I missed the club right away. Like as soon as I stopped doing it and like I, like I was kind of touching on, it's like more than just the income loss. That's definitely part of it. But um, like when you make your living on stage, like it's often more than just the money to you. Like how I was saying, I don't really, didn't really want to find some other like random type of work I could do. Um, It's like moving for your job, like being active for your job, um, channeling your creativity, like the role the music plays and just all these like identity pieces um, that come with it that are both internal and external because I'm like, is this is how I'm kind of like known within this community too. And it is like a loss of community. Even, even if you aren't necessarily like hanging out with the girls outside of work, it's still like a social aspect that you lose as well in a time that's like already very isolating. Mm. Yeah. I mean, speak about, I'd love to hear your opinions on like the isolating aspect of it, because like, even you were saying like, you don't even know many people that have young children right now. And also just like, 
the whole FOMO aspect of it and the constant comparisons to you and other dancers, you and other pole dancers and stuff too. Like you can feel really, really, really alone when you're pregnant. Yes. Um, I definitely did feel that way. I was really like, especially once I announced my pregnancy, like in the second trimester, I found out several pole dancers were pregnant at the same time as me, like um, that I was just acquainted with, like no one else in Calgary. And to be able to like connect with them and chat with them through the pregnancy has been invaluable. And there's one girl in Calgary who is a retired dancer and her, her daughter's like almost, or I think two years old. And she retired after having her daughter, but Mm -hmm. she, I still see her as a dancer. And I think she does too. Like how I was talking about how even if you're not doing something, it's still like part of you. And so I would like go meet her for coffee and hang out with her and her daughter. And it was so to be able to connect not just with another pregnant person or not just another mom, but someone who has the same background. Like I think Mm -hmm. I, I really needed that. And that was something like I could Google like first trimester like is so terrible or isolated when pregnant or whatever you want to read on the blogs or the forums. <laughs> and there was always yeah. something missing because I'm like, they may feel the similar way, but they're still working. They're still working their like their job until their maternity leave. So they're not losing that income or like every woman has these body image issues, but they're not thinking I need to be, I want to be back in that bikini X amount of time postpartum. Like there's just another element to it for me that mm-hmm. is not as common. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the isolate, the FOMO, you said the FOMO. So I, I'm not like proud of this, but it is what it is. I had to pretty much mute every stripper I followed on Instagram, not unfollow, just mute because I just was not like mentally strong enough to see them like promoting themselves at work, see their new costumes, see like the club started filming these beautiful promo reels of like their stage girls and um, that were so like glamorous and cool. And then also seeing um, stage girls like always, it seemed like they're leveling up, which is so amazing and we love to see it, but I'm just being perfectly candid when you feel, or when I feel like I'm just slipping back, there is, it's not a jealousy thing. It's just like an insecurity, I guess. Mm -hmm. To, to just be perfectly honest, where I'm like, my body's changing. I have I don't know how it's going to land on the other side. I'm yeah. not losing my pole skills necessarily, but taking a huge step back from pole training. Going to have to work back to that. I don't I don't know if my costumes are going to fit after. Everyone like looks so beautiful and I'm just feeling like frumpy, like mom to be. So it was just, I just <laughs> couldn't really see it Yeah. Um, on Instagram. Because, yeah, just comparing yourself and then feeling kind of, like, disempowered, too. Like, you can't even do anything, like, to change your situation at the time. In pregnancy, you really just have to, like, surrender. <laughs> so yeah. that's been that's been kind of hard. And then, yeah, sometimes I would log into my stripper Instagram because I haven't really been using that Instagram to, like, mm-hmm. trigger myself, apparently. Because I would go and, like, look through everyone's posts and be like, oh, my God, why did I do that? But... Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. That's like, that's so hard. And like, I really applaud you for, for being so raw with this and being super transparent because like, this is often a perspective that we don't hear of. And this is your own way of coping with this because um, everyone has their own ways of coping through whether it's FOMO, whether it's even just like regular comparison, no matter what kind of sex work that you do, you got to do what is best for you and what is healthy for your mind. Um, because sometimes that can, that shit can like just eat you up inside and you're already, like, you don't want to further isolate yourself either. So I think it's healthy what you're doing and, and like um, a good thing as well. And maybe this is a mechanism that other people can adopt as well if they're going through something similar. So you got to do what you got to do, right? Yeah. And you always hear like mental health advocates will say like, sometimes you have to get off social media or you have to just unfollow accounts. And it's not about them. It's not what they're posting. It's about you, how it's impacting you. Right. So it doesn't mean anything other than, you know, just making some boundaries around social media, I guess. But um, yeah, 
definitely smart. It's smart. It's just challenging. (laughs) And like sometimes I would say to my husband, I'm like, I just miss stripping so much. And Mm -hmm. he gets it, but he doesn't get it. Right. But he's like, yeah. And he, he's totally like, like the question of me going back was never like, it was not something we had to discuss. He's like, of course, go back to dancing. Like after I do intend to, but I really don't know like when or exactly how that will look. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't, I probably won't be traveling or at least like not with nearly the same frequency. Yeah. And, and I really don't know when, like, I just can't put like a timeline on myself in advance or an expectation. I'm really just going to have to like, see how it goes. Um, but I, I do, I do really want, not just for the money, like even if I could get another like job that would support me adequately, I, I need like a little bit more time on the stage and like back in the heels, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's going to be a really interesting time because as you mentioned, that's something you can't really plan. And I also think it might be unhealthy for you to be like, okay, I have to be back in the club by this time. I have to look good in this outfit. You know, I have to fit into my costumes and like putting that unnecessary pressure on yourself um, because I think that is kind of unfair because you really want to be able to enjoy um, your time with your newborn and also like of course as much as you want to get back to the club it's just like you don't know how you're going to feel you don't even know when you're going to have your baby like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a lot of unknowns and like mm-hmm. I, I wanted to ask you personally like how how are you dealing and coping with so much unknown oh hello we got the dogs in here <laughs> Yeah, just just a little bark there. Um, yeah, so coping with like the unknown and the uncontrollable is is really hard. And like, of course, control in our lives is an illusion, really, at any time. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. I definitely do. And yeah, there's so much in pregnancy. There's a lot you can do to try to like optimize things or whatever. But like, ultimately, you really do have to surrender like I even with pull I I thought oh maybe I'll be able to pull like all the way through but I couldn't control my abs separating at like 20 20 weeks or whatever and it just not really being like safe or like a good idea for me to continue and so I had to like Mm. really release that um and and now it's funny because like coming into my due date that like coping with the unknown I've done so much preparation to try to have like a certain type of birth. And then even mm-hmm. the my doula and my midwives are like, you can't control this. And I'm like, I know. That's why I'm stressed out. <laughs> you have to remind <laughs> me that I can't control it. So I don't, I don't really know how I'm coping with it. But um, one thing that I, I wanted to say that has helped me like cope with or like, so initially stop having to leave the club for X amount of time felt like an identity loss and same with like mm-hmm. stopping training pull felt like a loss. But when yeah. I said, I'm trying to really see it as an identity shift, what has helped mm-hmm. that is actually leaning into becoming a mom. And that's actually what helped mm-hmm. me want to have kids in the first place was like listening to really positive stories of motherhood, like on my podcast and stuff that I would listen to and like focusing on, the potential there. And like, so as the pregnancy progressed, it got easier. Like once you start feeling baby move and like you start building your registry, assembling all the things, (laughs) taking your birth classes and it just becomes more and more real. And you really, I've really been able to tap into something that feels like very maternal and really like genuine. And I am very, very excited. Like, about our baby and about seeing Sky or my husband Sky become a dad and like just everything to come. And there's, there's just a lot of unknowns there too. And like fear. And sometimes even when I see in public a toddler having like big feelings or like having a meltdown, I'm like, Oh my God, what have we done? Cause it just seems like <laughs> a nightmare, but my husband's a really positive thinker and he always reframes. He's like, 
well, you know, when the dogs have like a bad day at the dog park and they get in a little altercation with the dogs or they do something bad and, and you love them like one second later, it's like, it's going to be the same with your kid. And I'm like, that's true. So <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> as much as I, I like still, it pains me and I like miss the club, like trying to like really lean into this other role, not to the extent mm-hmm. that it will like cancel the other one out, has helped me think that it's just like a shift and not like a loss outright, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I I love how you were able to define that as well, because like, you know, like when you use the term like identity loss, it just sounds like like a feel like a death, like a a funeral, Mm -hmm. like very negative and stuff too. But by using the term shift, like it really, it seems like a lateral move um, that you're Mm -hmm. kind of shifting into a different or like transitioning into a different part of your life, which is basically what's happening too. And like, Mm -hmm. I think that is a really good change in perspective because sometimes you need that. And, And it really sounds like you're starting to really embrace motherhood because that's coming real soon for you, which is mm-hmm. super exciting. <laughs> yeah. And like, you do have to still be willing to maybe let things go to an extent. Like I did have a moment of like really feeling like I was grieving the traveling stripper lifestyle because I don't really think I will ever have that exact life again. Even if I was to like tra- work out of town, it's still not going to be the same as before where I, didn't really have to think I would just like make my bookings my husband didn't question it he would just take care of the dogs while I was gone I knew they were safe but like I wasn't considering like another human being who like I I mean personally I don't even think I'm going to want to leave my baby I think I'm going to be one of those like he's my baby you know like kind of parents (laughs) where I probably will won't even be able to go on a date night that's just how I anticipate I will be So I just knew like that feeling of like hitting the road on my own and like having all that downtime and alone time in the, in the dancer accommodation or whatever. And like just these little aspects of that traveling dancer lifestyle, I are like, I think even, even if it comes back, it's going to look so different. So you do Mm -hmm. still have to let things go. um, And you can be sad about it, you know? So, um, And even like the idea of like women getting their body back, like um, it's never going to be exactly the same, right? And so you kind of have to like let that go as well. And you can still be like goal oriented or whatever, but Mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah, I like what you said about yeah it being a lateral movement instead of like a hard stop, like loss, right? Totally. And it's very humanizing to feel these things because it's just a natural thing, right? So, like, I think it's um, important that you are embracing this and embracing this new chapter because, like, I can kind of – well, I can't compare because I'm not pregnant, um, but, like, it's kind of like comparing myself to how I was in, like, my 20s, like, my late 20s when I was, like, traveling around the world and, like – doing my thing and then now that I'm in my 30s like it's like looking a little bit different or even like recently like looking at when things shut down uh for the pandemic and I was like really on my high gear of like doing many many competitions internationally and just like on that upward trajectory and then having that all shift and change and having to kind of reflect on how I am changing and that my life is looking a little bit different now and being okay with that. And that takes like a lot of time and getting used to. And like, um, I I think it's important to just kind of welcome it with open arms, which I think you're doing beautifully. So it's an exciting time. (laughs) I, maybe I'm articulating it beautifully, but it's, it's definitely been like an up and down, you know, but Mm -hmm. no, I know what you mean. Like, it's all, I call it like a nostalgia for like our own life, but like yeah. not our childhood. <laughs> like it could even be like two years ago. Like I, 2019, I still say I'm like, that was the best year of my life. And I just like miss how it was because <laughs> I competed so many times. I was like stripping full time all year. So I like money was not an issue. We were like traveling, 
concerts and I just like it's like the golden year and you you compare yourself to like your level of fitness what you're achieving at that time and just how all these things looked and even if you have another great year of your life it never looks the same Mm -hmm. and it can be hard definitely it definitely can be hard (laughs) I've definitely been there before so I I know exactly what you what you mean by that um but I mean this is a a really really inspiring cool chapter like as a person that would love to have a family one day like this is really comforting to hear and I just really really appreciate your super raw um and, and candid approach to pregnancy especially like as a dancer and as a like poll competitor as well. So it's just been really, really eye-opening and I have loved this conversation so, so much. So, so thank you, Jenna. Thank you. Yeah, thank Um, you. I just (laughs) thought of something. I've had these crazy, this is just off topic, but like everyone hears about pregnancy dreams where like it's kind Mm -hmm. of women can have like more vivid dreams. And I I already like have crazy dreams, but I have had multiple dreams about going to work in the club, but like pregnant, like I, I will dream this, like, oh, one more booking. And I like <laughs> thought in my dream, I'm like, I thought, oh, I can hide it. Like, I'll just wear like a garter belt. I'll just suck in. And then in the dream, I'm like backstage. And I'm like, I cannot hide it. Like, what was I thinking? Like, this is so like, oh my God. And then I'll like miss my show or something. Or I'm on stage. And I like can't get up the pole. Like I've had like three or four dreams like that of like trying to oh work God. at the club. But like as pregnant as I am in real life. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So clearly it's still like weighs on my mind, I guess. It's so funny. (laughs) And like usually if you have a a dream about work, it's already like a dystopia, right? Like it's never like a usually good dream. It's always like something is not right here. But yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's hilarious. Um, Jenna, mm-hmm. before I let you go, we do have a few questions that came in from the audience. And um, yes, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of go into this as well because um, as a nerdy pole dancer, a lot of these are pole dancing focused questions, but I'm, I'm excited to go into them with you. So uh, let's hop into that section of the show. So the first one is um, handspring during pregnancy. How <laughs> in exclamation mm-hmm. question marks, many of those. <laughs> this is a really interesting question because, uh, yeah, so the last handspring I did was at 37 weeks. So two weeks ago, I haven't, I was like, should I do one? Maybe it'll like induce labor like today, but I don't know if oh, I will. God. But <laughs> so I, and I can't do anything else. I can't do a fan kick. I can't do a fireman spin. Like I can, but it causes that abdominal coning. I don't know right. how much people know oh, about yeah, that. You but when your abs separate, yeah, when your abs start separating, like your your six pack abs start separating to make room for the baby. If you do like core engagement, like think like shoulder plank, invert, pike, whatever, plank it like makes a pyramid because all the pressure is like pushing through the fascia in between your abs. And that is not good because that makes the fascia like super stretched out and it doesn't come back together properly after. So Mm. everything by like 26 weeks, I swear to God, everything, even a fan kick, everything was causing that coning except handsprings. And I think twisted grip handspring, because I think it's, it's the push pull like you're locked in like that suspension bridge tension between your straight arms and you're using Mm -hmm. momentum and the trajectory. It's not like a pike where you're folding your legs up towards you, like a crunch. It's not a crunch. It's like through your obliques, it's like a sideways kind of like transverse movement. Right. And then when you're in the top, when, when you're in the Aisha, especially in a twisted grip, it's kind of just physics at that point, right? Like it's that push pull, Mm -hmm through your arms and you're not like holding a crunch the way you are with like a shoulder mount or something. That makes sense. So that's my, that's my theory, like (laughs) of like why I could still do it. Um, And of course, like I, that was like, it's one of those moves that is just very, very accessible for me at this point because I've done it so much. Um, Mm -hmm. And my body just like knows like that pattern through the air to like land in that Aisha and like, yeah. I mean, if you were still kind of learning it and you became pregnant, I probably wouldn't recommend continuing to do it. But um, 
Yeah, that's, I don't know. That's kind of my only, yes, but like everyone's different, right? But that's just the only thing that, one of the only things I could still access without that coning. Right. Um, When I did it at 37 weeks, I was a little, a little sketched out. I almost was like, I need a spot, but I was home alone. I just did it anyway. But I'm like, I don't really want (laughs) my ego to let me take that risk right now. So. Well, thank you for the really detailed and like physiological explanation. I'm and I'm sure this person will definitely enjoy that because this person is a pretty big pole dancer too. So <laughs> in our community, <laughs> um, the second question is something similar. But how did you manage to maintain your IRNX so far into your pregnancy? Well, I only made it to 24 weeks with the IRNX and um, a pole dancer in Chicago who is now a mom of two just had her second child did an iron X once a week until 39 weeks with both pregnancies. She just made like a photo book out of it for herself. Wow. So that was, she was my inspiration and I've been chatting with her all through my pregnancy. She's amazing. She's actually going to be on my podcast. So stay tuned for that. I interviewed her. Um, (laughs) But again, like it's, something it has to be something you've trained a lot like it shouldn't be mm-hmm. something that you're just starting to work on and then you would not want to like keep doing that through your pregnancy um but i again i think it's just the muscles involved like the types of core muscles involved it's really more like your transverse your obliques a lot through your arms and lats so if those muscles are like already built up um yeah like the you're you're getting heavier, right? So it's, it is getting harder mm-hmm. to hold for sure as, as the weeks go on. Um, but yeah, like it was, I couldn't have shoulder mounted that long just because the, the different types of muscles it uses. Um, right. So I don't know. I don't really have, and twisted grip. I mean, like once you've got your <laughs> solid twisted grip, it's kind of like, it's not, it's not that it's a cheat, but it, it makes like certain things easier, right? Easier, um, yeah. Yeah, once you're like locked in through your shoulders. So I don't know. I could have maybe tried to push it a few more weeks. I I, I wish and yeah, I was sad that I had to like kind of stop pole dancing altogether around that time. But again, mm-hmm. I'd rather miss it than resent it. Yeah. So I love that statement. Yeah. Definitely stealing that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, the last question here is, were you ever scared or felt an easy slash unsafe while you were instructing or even on stage? Like, while I was pregnant or just in general? I would assume while you were pregnant, since I did advertise the episode being about pregnancies. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I wasn't on stage very much when I was pregnant, literally for like less than a full week of work. Um, Mm -hmm. Definitely though, once I knew I was pregnant, I wasn't like scared, but I do feel like I just naturally toned it down a little bit. And then Mm -hmm. throughout my entire first trimester, I was still teaching and taking advanced classes. So I didn't really modify pull at all, like up until about 16 weeks, it was still doing like advanced. Um, Mm -hmm. but I did feel like a little bit more chicken, like certain things like, Mm -hmm. like butterfly flip. And, um, especially when I would take someone else's advanced class, there was just certain things where I'm like, I'm just not going to do it. You know, I have like a fear factor with anything flippy in pole. Cause I just like, especially backwards flips. I like, I cannot get my body, like my mind wrapped around that like trajectory of movement. Yeah. And so pretty much like if I felt like I needed to have a spot, I wasn't going to do it. Like if I felt like that mm-hmm. uneasy about trying something, I kind of wouldn't like push myself to try it. Um, other than that, I did not feel unsafe. I felt frustrated as my physical mm-hmm. limitations <laughs> became kind of like more and more apparent. Um, but yeah, because I, I know some people do worry about like the safety of pole dancing during pre- pregnancy and yeah, you have to like know your body and like just yeah, don't do anything you think you might fall out of if you're pregnant, yeah. even early in your pregnancy. So because 
I've just logged like a lot of hours on the pole, like between teaching and especially what I said earlier about performing, you get so many hours on the pole, you're not necessarily learning new tricks all the time, but the tricks and combos that you're familiar with, you can like do them in your sleep. Like if you're doing them on stage, like freestyling, they're just like in your body. So doing stuff like that, like you'll know, you'll know if it feels safe or not. So yeah. Yeah. Good sound advice. Don't do anything. I don't want to say stupid, but <laughs> some things can be like tricky decisions. Yeah. Make good like decisions. honestly, I would say if you're pregnant, like don't even do something that you need a spot for. Like it's not yeah. the time to like learn a new trick that like requires you to be to be spotted through it. Like just keep yeah. practicing what you know. Try out some new combos, maybe new transitions, but not like learning like new dynamic moves and stuff you know because it's you know like a fall off the pole can be pretty serious and it's not that common like uh, falling literally falling completely off the pole I feel like it's not that that common it's Mm -hmm. more like you bail out like you mess up the move or something or just doesn't get you get stuck or something but yeah anything where it's going to end up on like Dan Rosen's pole lol's page like don't do that while you're pregnant (laughs) Good sound advice, Jenna. (laughs) But before I let you go, where can people find you? Uh, So on Instagram, Jenna Alyssa Pohl. Yeah, that's my main Instagram. It's been not a ton of new content, mostly still have some maternity photo shoot stuff that I've been posting. But um, yeah, hopefully... I'm very active on my stories on there, even though I don't have as much to post on my feed lately. But hopefully, if you want to see my postpartum return, I don't know what it's going to look like. But and then, yeah, if you want to follow my podcast, it's the Dancer Mama podcast. Um, So that's Instagram for that. And yeah, uh, if you want to hear more about my kind of real time journey, like through motherhood, and then also hear some other perspectives on it, then that'll be there. Yes. Yeah, don't forget to like and and subscribe to Jenna's podcast. It's really interesting. Even if you're not pregnant, like even for myself, I found it to be really, truly fascinating and, and a perspective that like I would never really have heard of before. So give go give her a follow and a like and a listen and all the things that you have to do. And likewise, you should also probably be doing the same for mine. So for Stripped by Sia, it's new episodes every single Sunday. Um, it's on pretty much every single platform out there. Um, I would love and appreciate um, if you followed or subscribed to the show. Um, Writing reviews, super helpful as well for accessibility and visibility. So feel free to rate as you like. I usually like five stars, but whatever you like, (laughs) whatever you're comfortable with. And it's Stripped by Sia on Instagram, Stripped by Sia on Twitter, and patreon.com slash Stripped by Sia if you want to try and um, help the podcast uh, monetarily as well. So, but for the time being, um, Jenna, it was a pleasure to finally have you on. I'm so glad we can make this happen. So thank you so so much for having me. You were so welcome. And we'll have to hear an update (laughs) once the baby comes. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. Bye. All right. Bye. You're listening to Stripped by Sia, hosted, produced, and edited by Steph Sia. Music by Ted D. Graphic design by Maria Bellandarama. And photography by Ian Dabrin. <laughs>